Hi guys, this is John McGann from Max Tennis Academy in Ireland and I'm here with my co-host Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis in Spain. Together we've created the podcast Control the Coronables, which includes some of the top players from around the world. Our objective is very simple. We want to be able to educate, entertain and energize the tennis community during this very difficult period that we're all going through. Hope you enjoy our next podcast. Welcome to episode 20 of Control the Coronables. We're really excited about this episode with Paul Jubb. Paul was the NCAA Division One champion in 2019. And boy, what a story to get there. The difficult start to life for Paul as he tragically lost both parents very young. And they had, had to be brought up by his amazing grandmother, but also, as you'll find out, by some fantastic coaches, and namely Johnny Carmichael. He's then gone on to learn so much about the game, about life, and he's brought that all together now to really give himself a shot as a professional player under the guidance of Andy Murray's agency. Sit back, enjoy, learn the lessons. Over to Paul Job. Absolute pleasure to have you on Control the Coronables. A big thank you from myself and Dan for giving your time up today to come on with us. No worries, no worries. Um, just for the listeners that are listening in, um, just to give you a little bit of Paul's profile. Paul is a career high of 427 in the world with a current ranking of 519. He's a NCAA champion of 2019. And he's made his debut at Wimbledon last year in 2019. He's a next generation player uh, on, on the up. And again, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on with us today. Thanks, thanks, Paul. No worries, man. Robbie Dan here. Great, great to have you on. I spoke to you a few weeks ago on an Instagram live, and um, things are just starting to come into the clear now. Eh? So give us an update on how things are your end. Yeah, so. Back here in the UK, we've uh, we're still in lockdown, but it's a lot. Uh, certain things are opening up now, and like outdoor courts, um, they're starting to open up. And um, I hit my first tennis ball in two months yesterday, which was uh, you know really exciting. And um, hopefully, over the next few weeks, I can uh, lightly get back into get back into it and hit. You know on a more regular basis. And how did that feel hitting your first ball? Um, a few more shanks than normal, but um, yeah, no, it was good. The, uh, the shoulders just got to get, get, got to get used to it again. <laughs> I do. I, I think that's going to be a one actually. I think that's going to be a one for tennis players over the next few weeks. Everyone has to be a little bit careful of picking up little injuries. And that, that brings me on to another one, Jobby, I'd love, you, I'd love to get your opinion on. Let's say there's no tournaments in 2020, you know, ITF tournaments, which I think if we're in the tennis world, I think everyone's coming to that reality. How, how do you keep your motivation for the next seven months? Um, I think that obviously just comes down to, like, how self-driven you are um, as a player. You know, there's... There's a lot of different people who need certain motivations and um you know I I think I've always been a 
a player who's been very self-motivated and self-driven. So, um, you know, I'm always, you know, looking to make the most of it, anything. Um, and if getting back in training is an option after what we've just been through, then that's great because then you've got so much extra time now to work on specifics, um, to even get, you know, get more prepared and just say we're going to start over for the, the next year and be even more prepared for when we start playing tournaments again. Um, so, you know, if I, th I think if you look at it in that way, then it's a great opportunity to, to uh, you know, get really prepared for, for come tournaments. I like it. And, and in terms of, you, you touched on there how self-driven, self-motivated you are. You know, what, where does that come from? Is that something that you've always had, do you think? Um, I think I've always... I think I've always had that drive to just whatever I'm doing, just try and be the the best I can be, you know, whatever, like whatever it is. And I've always had a very competitive nature and, you know, I, do, I never like to just settle for average really. Um, if you're going to do something, you might as well, you know, do it, do it to the max really. Um, and yeah, I think, and tennis wise, like it's always been a massive passion for me and I've always wanted to, make tennis my living or whatever and to do that you've basically just got to do everything you can in your power to get to that stage you know where you can say you've made it and because you're not there yet then you know that that fire in the belly is always still there that's how I'd put it very good and I mean I remember the first time I met you I don't know if you remember it but you were I think eight or nine years old and and for those listening you you, you came out with whole you know, for a for a trip out to, to Soto. And you were then, I remember this eight, nine-year-old, highly driven, highly motivated, um, you know, was would have went on court any time of the day against anybody. And I do one one question I would love, and I'm sure the listeners would love to get to, there's there's lots made of your upbringing, you know, in the press. How how much of it do you think is down to difficulties that you had growing up that maybe then you appreciate the opportunities that you've had and then you've, you've grabbed them with both hands? Um, yeah, I think, you know, with my upbringing or whatever, I grew up with my grandma and um, in this sport, like, always, Johnny, my coach in Hull, when I was always, you know, doing things with him or I wasn't playing as much as other kids, it was... It was we always had the conversation of you know make the most of everything and it's just making everything count really with you know if you're doing less things and anything you do do is got to be you know extra valuable really um, and I think always having that attitude growing up has made me you know really appreciate and be grateful for any opportunities I've had along the way or um, you know just things presented to me and just having that mindset of making the most of, of what you have really. Um, I think that's definitely been a big, a big thing for me um, along the way. And, and that's the way I try and approach, approach things. And I think that's one thing what's really helped me, um, you know, cherish, um, you know, anything I've, I've had. And how influential has Johnny been? You mentioned Johnny, your coach growing up. He's been more than a tennis coach, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've always 
I've said in a couple of interviews before I've, you know, said Johnny to be, you know, one of the, the main rock figures in, in my life, apart from, um, you know, my grandma and obviously family, but, you know, he's, he's been just as influential as, as them. So, um, I don't just look at him as a tennis coach. He's, um, you know, he's acted like a big brother. He's, um, you know, a great coach and just a great, a great person to have by my side. If I had any questions growing up, I would probably go to him more than my family. So, um, you know, he's been, he's been great. And we all, you know, we've got a, a relationship what's, you know, so strong will last for, for, for life. And because I'm not jobby and what, again, I've gone back to when you were out in Soto when you were eight and nine, the coaches and Johnny, they were telling me, you know, that what an amazing kid you were, you were this, but you don't have a penny to scratch your backside with. You know, that was, you know, and, and, and that I think I connected with that because in tennis, we often, people think it's a, an upper class sport. People think it's a sport you have to have money in. And, and I've used you as an example to, to many players, not, I'm not even naming you. It was before you've actually come to become a bit more of a household name. And I always talked about this little eight, nine-year-old that I saw who, because of his attitude, because of his energy, because of his humility, coaches and people then go out the way to then try and help. You know, and, and I think if you want it badly enough, and if you're willing to work hard enough, there is, there is these people in the world that will help you. So what would your message be to people that think you need money to be a tennis player? Yeah, I mean, you de obviously, like, you, de you definitely don't, you don't need to have that traditional background what people, you know, feel like you have to. And I, you know, I certainly felt like I, I had to have that, you know, I'd always have talks with Johnny about oh like I need to be full-time and stuff I need to do all this which involves a bunch of money but um, obviously that wasn't possible but I think because I showed how much I wanted and how much I was willing to do like I was and then you know I, I always say I'm very grateful and lucky enough to have those people around me who you know went out of their own way to do stuff off their own backs to to help present me with an opportunity what I needed to then progress um so obviously I needed those people to you know just show show that support but um I don't think um you know obviously I wouldn't have had it if I didn't show that willingness to to do what it takes really so um you know if 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 you've got that passion and drive then you know I'm not saying begging for it but like just showing how far you're willing to go and I think that touches with people and you know they they see that and and that helps people you know believe that when they go out of their own way to do something it won't be a waste and that's been my main drive probably, yeah probably one of my main drives along the way is because certain people have done so much for me or whatever um making sure that their help was worthwhile is a is a big self-motivation and drive for me because the last thing i want to do is you know if someone goes out their way to help you the throwing away that opportunity or not even giving it 100 percent, you know is in my eyes would make make me a bad person really so um the least i can do is is give 100 percent 
Paul, when you, there's a, there's an unbelievable sense of, you know, humility about you, gratefulness, that, you know, playing the game, um, and, and a great sense of energy off you, even talking to you here during this podcast. Um, when you were growing up, what would, what would um, your, your training kind of look like? So did you always just train with your coach, Johnny? Were you training in groups? Um, how, how did that kind of look like on, on, on your way up? Um, yeah, growing up, like, I wasn't training loads of hours a week. Um, I didn't really ramp up my training schedule up until I was, like, 14, 15 years old. But until then, I was just doing, like, group group sessions. Um, and then me and Johnny started to do individual sessions, um, I think, like, once a week or something now and again. But for the main part, I was just doing, like, uh, group sessions on a night um throughout the week and then as time progressed then I started doing more individual work and still doing the the squad sessions as well um yeah that was about it really and how did you deal so because you're so self-motivated and because every session every ball had value to it to you and I think for me I think the reflection on on your career which has a long way to go you know, the fact that you've got that, you've got that set is just like an unbelievable attribute that so many players don't have. How did you deal with frustrations you must have had in squad settings, training with people that didn't have that mentality? Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, Johnny, like, when Johnny would take me home some nights and stuff, like, um, I think over the years as well, I think, I've learned that, um, you know, you can still, you, you know, if you're training with a lesser person or someone who, who's maybe tanking a little bit, as we would say, like, it's still, you still got to be reliant on yourself to get the most out. Like, you can't rely on someone else to make you have a good session in a way. Like, obviously, they would, they can help you if the other person across the net is just as motivated and running down every ball and um, pushing each other in that sense. But, you can still get so much out of a session if you're playing with a lesser person, for example, a lesser player. Um, you know, it's, and over the years, um, the better I got, um, the, the better I got at that was, you know, just keeping my, making sure the side of my net, the side of my, at my side of the court, yeah. um, I'm bringing that intensity and I'm bringing that level. Um, and I think, I think that's a very good attribute to have as a tennis player. And definitely not one thing, like, it's not like, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I definitely struggle sometimes, like some days um, I may not be bringing the level or standard I need to, and maybe a bit too reliant on the person across the net. But I think if you can, if you can have that on a consistent basis of just making sure you're bringing what you need to bring, uh, you can still get a lot out of a session. That's a, it's it's so refreshing. I have to say, as a coach, that's so refreshing to listen to. It's really, really refreshing to listen to it, particularly from a player of your level, your standard. Um, and I, I certainly think that it's something that, you know, if players are listening in to you talking like that now, it's something that they can bring for sure into their into their training grounds or when they go back into their academies. Um, and 
yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Paul, that, that that type of energy is infectious and it rubs off on other players then if you're bringing those types of, you know, high high standards to the to, to the training group. No, absolutely. It's, it's, great, it's great to listen to that. Could I also just say, and, and this, this is for you guys, but also for anybody listening, as, as someone who's got their own international tennis academy and myself and John have our own academies, I would absolutely sponsor five Paul jobs. I would. I would. I would. I, like, yeah. because, because and I've said this on a couple of podcasts, and this is where I think a lot of people un, don't understand this sport. They just think of, of value as money. And it's, you know, as, a, as an academy, as a, as a centre, as a coach, the value in having someone that's doing what you're doing, Jobby, you know, and I've reached out to you a couple of times and that offer's always there at Soto Tennis. Not, not, nothing to do with your results because I know that you would come into Soto Tennis and you would improve our culture. And you would, you would be a pleasure to be on court with. You would be a pleasure for other players to be on court with. You'd be a pleasure for all the team to, to work with. You'd be a pleasure to have around. And you would also then be an inspiration for the younger players coming up. Now, that is a lot more value than a few thousand euros. <laughs> and, and this is, and, and the beauty of it is you've done that. You haven't done that for that reason. You've done that because that's what you've learned and that's what you've had good people around you that have taught you those values. But to those people listening, that, that is what we're after as tennis coaches and as, and as tennis academies. That's, that is what we want. Um, so, yeah, so any, any, aspiring Paul Jobs out there that want to be giving what, what job he's given, um, get, get in touch with me because we'd absolutely be delighted to help. Um, and moving, moving gears a little bit, Jobby, so you've done this, you've gone, you've gone through. Um, I saw you at nine. You were a decent nine-year-old. You, you were quite scrawny. Um, but you were a decent little still am. <laughs> but you yeah, you still are a little bit. But you were you were a good little fighter. But the next time I kind of saw your name was probably seventeen, eighteen. You know, it's not as if you took the world by storm in the junior world. So 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 tell us the next step which then led you to US college. Yeah, so um as you said, like I didn't have a massive junior career or anything you know I did well winning the nationals under 16 nationals in the UK and I think that was one thing what really helped kind of jumpstart my confidence and belief in myself really um, and from that point on I was <clears throat> able to work a lot more with the the LTA and doing a bit more training with uh, the higher national players and um yeah that's when um james trotman he mentioned college to me and and basically at the time like at the time all i worried about was how what steps do i need to take to get into the pros and you know he basically said you know this this probably is the best way for you to do it this is sounds like the best option the best road and to me that was all i needed and um you know that that, that sold me there and then obviously I spoke to was able to speak to Josh my coach um when he came down to to Hull to visit up to Hull to visit me and and then from that point on you know I was just eager to get to get over there because I knew you know this 
I already knew this was going to be the, the next chapter um, of my life, what was going to able to help me progress into the pros. So I didn't, I didn't need any, um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't worried about staying and staying in England, doing full time uh, down in London or anything, you know, I, this, this to me felt like the best, the best route to take. And, and that was it. And, and on that, I guess Josh, that's Josh Goffey, um, yep. the head coach, at, head coach at South Carolina. Great guy. And I guess he took a chance on you as well, because when you first went to college, you weren't even in, in the lineup at first, were you? No, like James obviously put in a good word um, for me and about me, um, you know, because obviously I didn't have a tons of results to show what I was made of, but um, obviously with Trot's working with me for a bit um, and he, you know, he knew what potential I had and things like that. And um, I think obviously there's, I was lucky enough, there was a level of trust between, between them two that Josh, you know, trusted Trotz's word about me and, and then, yeah, was able to, and I think when Josh saw me in person and saw me um, training and then had a chance to speak to him and um, I think then he was able to get more of a feel of what I was about and, um, you know, one of the conversations we had, the first conversation we had and stuff and, you know, I, I told him, you know, if you give me that opportunity, you give me what these other players have got, then, you know, I really believe I can, you know, become one of the better players in college and then push on to the pros because that's where I want to go. And I think he definitely got a sense of that real drive and hunger for, uh, from within. And, and yeah, he took that chance and, and then the rest is the college career's history, really. It's another, it's another unbelievable example because everybody harps on about UTR, 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 and 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 I'm I'm a big believer that coaches getting the recommendation from people that they trust, and is and and then and then also meeting the person and connecting with the person is is the number one way that people will take take players into college. You know, and to hear that happen again, hopefully to players and parents listening, it's you know don't just get caught up in this results in UTR bandwagon. You know, be a good person. You know, work work as hard as you possibly can. You know, and and you know drive have that drive and ambition, and and you will get it. You will you will get the opportunities. People will take a chance. Um. So you so you weren't first year not in the team, not in the team. Third year won NCAA's. Something, something happened. What, what, what happened? What happened in those two and a half, three years? Yeah, I've always described it as just a, a big long progression. Really, um, it wasn't just like something happened that third year. Um, you know, as, as soon as I got there, it was, I was always ready to just get better, and and uh, you know, I really had that trust and belief in Josh that. You know, he could really take me to that next level. And, um, you know, I trusted everything he said but it was really going to help develop my game. And, um, you know, I was just, just working my socks off, socks off from day one, really. And, and um, you know, along the road, we worked on different things and I, I really stuck at, stuck at those. And, and uh, yeah, the seasons are really, really long and I was able to get a lot of wins. Um, 
each season, I remember, um, I think I was able to build on that confidence really well, as well as improving, you know, my game. Um, and it was just a great balance of both, both things. But, but yeah, I think I was just ready, just really willing to, to do what, whatever it took to get to that next level. And I remember, um, Josh said to me, you know, you've got to do this on your 400 or whatever to get to the next level. I think it was cutting it off earlier, uh, cutting off that, cutting off the corner on the forehand side to, to take time away and go either direction. And that became a massive weapon uh, for me. Um, and that was something that I just really, really stuck at. I remember that quite clearly and, and became one of my biggest weapons on the court. So, um, and then, yeah, like with, along with the wins and, each season, I just built loads of confidence in myself and, and uh, yeah, I had that belief that I could put a, my game would be good enough to beat anyone across the court. And, and then 2019, you won the NCAA championships. It's, it's, a, it's a massive deal, you know, to, to people listening that, that don't know college tennis. To win the NCAA championships is a massive deal. Firstly, can you give people a bit of an understanding of what, what it is and, and, you know, in terms of people watching and, and what, it, what it means to yourself and the university? And then second, how was, how was that experience personally for you? Uh, yeah, so NCAAs is basically in any college sport, it's like the, the highest level, uh, like all the, it's the pinnacle of college sports, basically. Um, at the end of every season, you know, you'll have the NCAAs where all the top teams or top players um, in the country will play. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was obviously a great experience and I still didn't know at that time, even though I had a great season, I still didn't know how I was going to match up in that tournament. And um, I was just kind of, each round was the only way I describe it was just I was at a door really and just knocking and didn't really know if I could get through but um, I think you just you that doubt and that you know inside I just kept pushing and and next thing I know I'm winning winning rounds and any you know any wins in that in that tournament is a good win uh, you know the top players in college are, are really high level um, and yeah, it was just taking it one round at a time, just pushing myself, seeing how far I could go. And and then it was just more, as I said, it was more of a realisation of how good I really was or like how good I could be. Um, and then, yeah, next thing I know, I'm in the final and and winning, winning the title. What, a, what, what an amazing achievement, Paul. What an unbelievable achievement uh, to, to, win, to win that. And, and again, just for you know, the listeners that are listening in here to you, you, you didn't decide to go pro professional straight away and you went into the college system. Do, do, you, do you think that that is uh, a good route for you know, young kids that are listening in to, to you now and, and to parents and other coaches from around the world? Do you think that this is a a good route for, for young players that are coming up um, to go by before going on to the tour? Yeah, definitely, 100%. And especially after doing it, and obviously before going, I was 
didn't know didn't know what was going to happen but after doing it and after also seeing the all the other players in college and you know how good the level is um yeah you know, i would 100% hands down say it was probably it's probably the best route you can take to get it into that pro level um unless you're having already unbelievable success in the in the pro scene in in your later stages of juniors um and that would still be like having success in challenges and things like that and you know that's obviously very very tough to do and the only the only real people that have been doing that is uh you know they're in top 100 already at the age of like 20 and things like that so and they're kind of on the other end of the spectrum so i'd say for anyone else really college should be really the the, the first first option and just because it's you know you also get to live your life as well for four more years as well as playing you know you playing a lot of tennis but also around great people you're around teammates who are pushing you each day and it's such a great environment so I would definitely say it's a great option to take as you know picking the right place to go obviously and and in terms of NCAA so NCAA is 64 players yeah in the best 64 players in college if you were to do a direct comparison on level how would you place that on the pro tour um those 64 i mean def- i would definitely say challenger level um and then the top 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 guys in college you know they're they're like looking to be getting deep in challenges and hopefully winning titles and you know there's a few guys in college already who who are still in college or just come out of college or have success on the challenge at all so um yeah at the top end of college tennis i would definitely say you know challenger level is is where it's at yeah no i'd i'd, I'd agree and i just think it's good for people to understand that my my next question jubby would be and you touched on it as well you know so you're playing ncaa's I would imagine you had a couple of coaches, definitely one. You would have had a trainer. You would have had a media person who was, you know, taking care of all your media. So you're already, and this is this is one thing that I always think is interesting with college. You're already kind of living a top fifty ATP WTA life in terms of the support team you have around you. You've then obviously got your teammates who, you know, are, are on your team, you know, so, so they're pushing you in practice, which on the pro tour, that's, that's not the case. It's, it becomes very individual. You've now experienced a few months on the pro tour as well and kind of put that in between your college, your college time. How do they differ? And what, what are the challenges from going from college to, to pro? Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, as you said, in the college scene, you have everything you need. And that was one thing what I evaluated before going and stuff is you literally have everything you need to to get better, everything, all the support staff you need, more than you would normally have anyway. Um, if you was to go, like, instead of just going and traveling with one coach, um, yeah, and that and that's it. But in college, you've got, as you said, you've got everyone you need to take care of all these little different things, um, who are just purely there to help you. Um, so it was so, so good. And then obviously, um, the few like 
so going on the futures tour for example is you know it's a lot tougher really um and that's like one thing i said like it's it's so good going to college because i've heard a couple of people saying you know they went and played on the futures tour for a year or whatever and didn't go to college and kind of lose the love for the game a little bit and and going to college really helps you keep that keep that passion really while doing what you love um so yeah you have you have a really good experience in college with all these things around you and and it's a great it's just a great feel like great feeling really and just using it to your full fullest power and how how did life change after you won the NCAAs um I think I just got more exposure obviously and and then of and obviously a bigger target on my back you know I was always used to being the underdog uh, in my career and that kind of winning that definitely changed things in the in the college scene um, you know from after winning that I was then you know one of the the main guys to try and beat in college um, but I going straight into the grass court season you know I kind of brought my expectations levels down anyway because I was going from winning the biggest thing in college to then going into these tournaments playing these top 150 guys you know I knew I was then jumping back into an even bigger pond with bigger fish and um you know then realized it was what that this is the next level so you know now it's time to I've literally gone from the top here and now I'm back down to the bottom of this new level I've got to work my way back up but then again for people listening you went NCAAs finished May 2019. You then hit the scene running and, and you were the story of the grass court season. You know, it came, you know, you came back to the UK with some fantastic wins, including over Rublev, who who is what number 12 in the world and one of the hottest players in the world right now. You know, you proved that you could live with those big boys. You then went back to college in January. So you played on the pro tour. For a few months, you then went back to college. Now, that's crazy, no? Yeah, like to to be honest, like I never really like going pro and uh, leaving college didn't really cross my mind. Like, and I think that was just more so because I only had one one season of college left, and I'd spoke to Josh um, about it and things like that. And you know, the thing we said was, you know, what's six months gonna really hopefully I'm gonna have a, a fairly long career so what's this six months gonna it's not gonna be too detrimental why why not use this as extra time to to get better and get even more prepared to to hit the tour uh running and you know to, college is a, a t still a time where results don't matter as much until you're playing full-time on the pro tour that's when you know, ranking points and, and wins become more of a priority for sure. Um, whereas in college, I can still have that progress mindset and losing matches isn't as big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, that was the mindset, really. Um, and I was more than happy to do that. You know, I didn't see the rush um, because I'm still young and, um, you know, there's no real rush for me to jump jump into the pro circuit. You didn't see forty-five thousand reasons at Wimbledon. That—that <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that was probably the main—the main thing. What would have uh, wanted me to to stay pro, but um, you know, hopefully, I'll be back there one day and 
and able to to keep it. So, so what? So tell us with that you literally can't keep a penny of that. You can just take the third DMs. I could only take my expenses of what I'd used. Um, so yeah, out of all the money, really, it was basically nothing. So bit of pill to swallow. However, Jobby, that again for me, and I'm see, I'm obsessed with mindsets and players' mindsets. You're telling me through all of your actions, all the way through your career, you believe you're going to be a player. You know, you because I, I don't, I don't. People don't give up those opportunities if they don't believe that they're going to be a player. So, how good you're going to be? See, this is like funny touching on that because I've had so many conversation I remember you know I remember losing a match it was my freshman year I remember losing a match pretty badly or whatever this is at six I only had like a couple losses at six I was undefeated for quite a while that season but I had a, a loss to this player and I remember having a conversation with Josh saying you know am I stupid to think that I can become top 100 and and this and that and um and along the way and even still now, I would still, like, I still don't know, like, I still wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get top 100 easy. I, like, I, I, in myself, I still don't know, like, I believe that I can be good, but there's still that thing inside me saying, I, oh, there's still that voice inside saying, you still don't know how far you're going to get, like, yeah. um, and that's always, I don't know if, some people hide that better or but that's always been a thing with me like I never actually the way I'd, it's tough to describe but I've just going along like I've had to trust it just trusting the process that's the 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 thing I'm looking for I've just had to trust the process going along and shocked myself multiple times along the way from winning these tournaments or having these big wins because Actually, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. But, um, and then once I'd done that, like, that's when I get more confidence. But, yeah, I would say now, like, I still don't know how far I'm going to get. But obviously, a lot of people see that see that in me to to go all the way to be top 100 and things like that. But until that, until that actually happens, then, you know, it's still, it's still a, something I can't see until I get there. So I've just got to keep working each day. Which is, but but again, you you don't know it, and you don't need to know it right now. But what you're saying again is music to coaches' ears. It's amazing because you're you you don't want to be getting ahead of yourself. That's 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 dangerous. <laughs> you know, people that start to get out of the present moment and start to look too far ahead into the future. You know, that's when that's when people start to unravel a little bit. So. You, I apologise for the questions. I don't want to pull your head into that position because you just need to keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're doing, you're doing a great job. Um, what's next for Paul Job then? Obviously, you, we've got this period. We've got this period of time, which we don't know how long it's going to be. But then, what's what's the next steps? Um, yeah, obviously, just go back to to London in a in a few weeks, hopefully, and and start training, ramp up training schedule more and and then get working back on specifics. And I think the the OTA here and th uh, started to try and come up with a plan to maybe try and keep competition alive domestically 
because um, obviously, like you said, international tournaments and th- the ITF circuit and things probably won't happen for the rest of the year. So um, I think once once I can ramp my training schedule up, I will, and um, and then hopefully compete a little bit um, towards the end of the later year domestically in the UK and. And then yes, just go from there really, and and then when the opportunity comes, see what schedule I can come up with and where I can travel and and plan plan on from there really. Who's your new coach? So Jack Carpenter is the the guy I'm going to be working with um, in London, like and traveling with. Um, you know, James Trotman, he's still oversees my progress and stuff in over in the UK and. And also Josh Goffey is still going to have a big part, um, a massive role to play in in my career as well. You know, I'm still going to be, whenever I go into the States, I'm still going to get in touch with him and, and hopefully get, get, get some work done with him. But um, for the most part, yeah, I'll be working with Jack um, day in, day out and, and traveling with. And what about your new management company? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also got Andy Murray to get some advice from, so that's not too bad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to have him in my corner and um, definitely looking to get a lot more court time with, with him in the future and just kind of pick his brains a little bit and, and um, you know, not only hit with him, but just, you know, talk about, tennis and just how I, you know, how I, he can help me in a way with this stage, what I'm going through now. And he's been there, done that. So what, what a person to have in your corner, really. No, absolutely. And then we noticed, we noticed on Twitter yesterday as well, that Francis Tiafoe has been, uh, been shouting you out on, on Twitter, which is nice to hear as well. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he, me and him are, been able to become good friends since since last summer when we, we hit and hung out a little bit um, over the grass court season and um, you know I told you know he's a friend now but he was you know someone I looked up to growing up and there's you know a stage you know he was the main guy who I was looking at on YouTube at the time and saw that he also had a you know a tough upbringing and I really felt like I could relate with that and you know, that, that was one of the, probably the main thing, what made me believe, you know, I don't have to have all this money in the world to become successful because he's done it. So why can't I, and, you know, I've shared my story with him and, you know, he, you know, he loved it and was happy that he could be a inspiration for me. And, and then, yeah, we've keeping contacts and stuff now and, you know, just normal friends really. Awesome. And I think just, just rubbing shoulders with all of these guys and just that all goes into the belief system and, you know, you, you open your eyes to exactly what, what, what needs to be done. So I think it's fantastic that you're surrounding yourself with these guys. Um, moving into a couple of lighter things, Jubby, just to, just to finish off. Um, if you weren't a tennis player, what would you be doing? Uh, I would like to think a footballer. If I'd have stuck down the football route, um, yeah, I will be a sportsman. Huh? No, that's it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think I, I was. I definitely did. That's one thing I definitely believe. Like, no matter what I'd be doing, I think I'd be playing one 
I was born to do sports. So, uh, yeah, if it wasn't tennis, it'd be a different sport. Any, any, um, any particular team? Liverpool. Um, but Ronaldinho was my main, uh, you know, influencer growing up. I loved watching him and, um, you know, I'd always watch videos of Ronaldinho. I, I was obsessed with Brazil and stuff growing up, so... I hope he's an on-the-field influence only, Jubby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. You ready, Jubby? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Server return. Return. Grass or clay? Grass. Forehand or backhand? Forehand. ATP or Davis Cup? Davis Cup. Serena or Venus? Serena. Roger or Rafa? Rafa. College or pro? Pro. And one rule you would change in tennis? Mm. Tuffy. Um... One rule I would change in tennis. I don't know, to be honest. Um, Come on, Jubby. It's quick fire, Jubby. Maybe, maybe no uh, help, no coaching for the women's. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get involved in the women's game here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like, I like, I like the aspect of players being by themselves and working things out. So. Okay, good. I'd probably go back. I would say clay. It's not grass. Okay, we'll we'll edit we'll edit that in. We'll edit that in. Um, Jobby, the biggest compliment I can give you is we all want you to do great, mate. You know, and that's you know, and I think I think you have you've connected with the with the tennis world. You know, in terms of. Um, in terms of you as a person, in terms of what you stand for, in terms of what you bring to the table, and I think you've brought it through again really loud and clear throughout this podcast. You know, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure to sit and talk here to somebody 20 years, 21 years old, and have their head screwed on the way that you do. And I wish you the very best of luck um, from, from, from all of us at Control the Coronables and I'm sure the tennis world. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that and hopefully I can just keep going. Joby, I have to shadow what Dan just said there. I know we've spoke before. You're an absolute pleasure to listen to. You have a hell of a head on your shoulders. You're destined for success. Keep up your work, man, and a real best of luck when you do get back out there. Thank you. Will do. Thanks. What a delightful young man Paul Job is. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. It's just so nice speaking to him and just, yeah, let you, you can just get the humility that comes through as, you, as you're talking to him about his tennis and his life. Um, and I, I, I really meant what I said there at the end of the podcast. I think everybody in the tennis world has his back. You know, everybody wants to see people like that succeed. Anybody listening to it that feels, you know, they are they are struggling and it is difficult and they can't see a pathway through in tennis, 
there is lots of talk and we've had other people on the podcast that have said you need money and obviously it helps we're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes but however the, if there's a will there's a way you know and Jubby has really has really shown that you know people have taken chances on him and when people haven't taken chances on him he hasn't whinged and moaned he's cracked on um, he's not there yet we're not talking about him as, as, a, as a superstar yet but um, I genuinely believe he's on his way to being to being a real serious player and having a great career out of a sport that's given so much to him and I think he'll continue to give so much back so a big thank you to Paul Job for, for being on the podcast um, please do guys comment uh, on these podcasts like them share them subscribe continue to get them out there um I, these stories are just fantastic but fantastic learning i know myself and john are learning a lot through this process and we believe that players parents coaches or anyone with a genuine interest in mindset or in sport itself will learn lots from it so please keep getting them out there thank you for your support and we look forward to being back in touch with our next podcast on wednesday take care bye bye